Take your Bibles this morning. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. This chapter in Proverbs is a chapter that uh, honors uh, the virtuous woman, the mother, and it is even given by a mother to her son. As we think about the book of Proverbs and why you're turning to chapter 31, the book of Proverbs talks about a variety of different ladies, different women. Uh, There are, in the book of Proverbs, there are those who are careless women. The book of Proverbs says, uh, as a jewel of gold in the, in the nose of a pig, so is a fair woman without discretion. In other words, it looks good, but boy, it's just pretty much worthless. <laughs> hey, the Bible says it, don't throw stones at me. I, I'm glad we don't have hymnals in the chairs. I was looking like some of y'all were getting ready to toss something, looking around for something to throw. There are those in the book of Proverbs that are the, the carnal woman, the woman that's given to the flesh. And, and then there's also... Uh, several places that talk about the contentious woman. Not, we don't have any of those here this morning, I'm sure. But in, in, in one chapter in particular, there's actually three times that, that uh, Solomon talks about this. But in Proverbs chapter 21, there's two places where he talks about it's better to dwell in a, in a small, constrained place than to be in an open place with a contentious woman. And you know, Solomon had a thousand wives, so I just can imagine that You know, he's riding down through that chapter, and he gets to verse 9, and maybe, just maybe, I don't know, maybe one of those thousand wives was being a little contentious. And so he writes, it's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a wide house with a brawling woman. He didn't just say contentious, he said brawling. Not going to go there this morning, it is Mother's Day. He gets on down to verse 19, and I just imagine that those 10 verses in between, she must not have let up, because in verse 19, he says, it's better to dwell in the wilderness than in a wide house with a contentious woman. But we're not going to talk about the contentious woman this morning. We're going to talk about the, the commendable woman in chapter 31. This is a familiar, familiar chapter, but I want to draw your attention to some things this morning, because it is in the life of a mother that the gospel can be most clearly seen. The gospel in the life of mother, the gospel of mom. It's an interesting chapter. This section on the virtuous woman is actually, in the, in the Hebrew scriptures, it's an acrostic. Each letter begins with one letter of the alphabet. And we don't notice that in the English. But anytime you see that in the Old Testament, the purpose of it is for teaching. They wanted to make it easy to memorize. It's easier to memorize if we have some kind of structure like that. And so they wanted the children to learn because they wouldn't have the Scriptures in their hands. They felt like this was important for the children to be able to understand, for the young women to know what kind of mother, what kind of wife, what kind of lady to be, the virtuous woman, and for the young men to know what kind to honor, to honor the wisdom. You know, we live in a day, and I I don't want to get sidetracked this morning, but I've seen some things just in the past couple of weeks where we are demeaning and changing the whole concept of what a mother is to be. We're taking away from the credit and the honor. Now it's no longer a mother. It's it's a person who gives birth. Let me tell you something. Mothers are special and mothers deserve to be honored and respected because of of the gospel of their lives. Just as we've seen just now in this song, a mother teaching her children, and we'll see in this chapter how that takes place. I want you to see 
some things this morning. I want you to see particularly two things in this chapter that, that tell us about the gospel of a mother's life. The gospel of a mother's life can, first of all, be seen in the stress of a mother's life. How many moms, can I get an amen from the moms, that being a mother can be a little bit stressful at times? Amen. Yeah, we know that. The men know that because we see the stress that you're under. It doesn't mean we do anything about it, but it means we see it. The spiritual dads do something about it. The rest of you carnal bunch, y'all just ignore it. The stress of a mother's life. What is the work of a mother? Mother has much to do. You know the old saying that a man works from son to son, but a woman's work is never done. Why? Because it's, it's constant and in the middle of the night. I remember feeling great relief when, um, as our sons were just babies, that when there were times, I would get up sometimes if there were things that I could do, but you know, sometimes when a baby wakes up in the middle of the night, dad is just pretty much useless. And I can honestly remember feeling relief when I would know that the baby needed to be fed. I'm sorry, I'm not equipped for that, so that's not for me. And I'd roll over and go back to sleep, thanking Jesus all the way over. And don't, dads, don't look at me like you're kind of spiritual. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The first thing that I want you to see in this stress of a mother's life, the the work of a mother's life, is her teaching. The first nine verses of this chapter are a mother's instruction to her son. It's important to remember that the book of Proverbs, we often think about it as a father's instructions, but the introduction in Proverbs chapter 1 says, This is the, hear the instruction of your father, but forsake not the law of your mother. How much have we learned and been taught by our mothers? We could think about, you know, moms are known for their sayings. Most of us can remember something that our mom would always say to us, sometimes over and over and over again. And my mom would say, well, if you do it the first time, I wouldn't have to repeat myself. Shut the door. You know, those, those kind of basic things. Uh, I asked some friends a while back, I said, what, what do you think, what do you remember your mom saying? I think the, probably the number one thing that they said was, um, because I said so. That just sort of answers everything, doesn't it? Because I said so. Um, other things that they said, um, this is going to hurt me worse than it hurts you. You know, as a child, I, al- I always <laughs> questioned that. My smart aleck little mind was, well, hey, why don't I let, let, y'all let me give you the spanking and we'll see if that's true. I never said that because I was smarter than I was sarcastic and I knew that they would prove that that was not the case. I had a friend that sometimes what moms say doesn't make a whole lot of sense. His mom would, say, well, my, my mom would say to me, close your mouth and eat. Ever heard that one at the table? Close your mouth and eat. I'm like, mm. How does that work? His mom would say to him, um, he wanted to go, in, go into the lake, and he, she said, you can't go into the water until you learn how to swim. Come on, Mom. We're looking for wisdom here. Always treat people like you want to be treated. One day you'll have a child that acts just like you. I heard that prophecy numbers of times. Don't put that in your mouth. You don't know where it's been. Always wear clean underwear because you might be in an accident. (laughs) I can tell some of your moms said some of the same stuff. 
Moms can sometimes feel overwhelmed with the teachings, having to say the same things. In fact, that's one of the things that you hear moms say often. How many times do I have to say this to you? How many times? And you repeat things over and over, and you wonder if they're ever going to get it. But the very fact that this morning we can think back, and as I've mentioned these, you've thought back, and you've remembered things that your mom said to you. It's proof that it does work, and it does stick. And moms teach the work that they do. Moms can feel overwhelmed, but don't underestimate the value or the effect of the instruction that you are giving to your children. When John Wesley, the great uh, preacher and founder of the Methodist Church, went to uh, Oxford University, he was shocked by the, the drinking that took place among the students. This was in the 1700s. I shudder to think what he would think today. So he wrote home to his mother. If you, if you ever want to do a study on someone in church history that's just a blessing, study Susanna Wesley the mother of both John and Charles Wesley. Charles uh, wrote many of the hymns that are in our hymnal. And Susanna Wesley bore 17 children. Twelve of them survived birth. She raised 12 children as a pastor's wife. Two of them, of course, John and Charles, we know pretty well. But Susanna loved God. Her, her life got so busy sometimes, as you can imagine, with <laughs> 12 children, that to have quiet time, to have time with God, she would literally just go stand over in the corner. There was nowhere to go for a quiet time. She would take her apron and pull it up over her head and have her prayer time and her devotional time underneath her apron. And the children learned when she had that apron over her head not to mess with mom. Now, I know some of you moms are already contemplating going home and getting, putting your apron on and putting it over your head this afternoon. Susanna wrote to John and she said, Dear son, she said, Remember this. Remember that anything that increases the authority of the body over the mind is evil. That wisdom that his mother spoke into his life, the work that God did in John Wesley's life and in Charles Wesley and the other brothers and sisters in that family can be traced directly back to the instruction of their mother. The stress and the work that a mom is giving. Some of you moms may feel stressed out. You just may be worn out because you feel like you're just constantly teaching. Let me tell you two ways that we see the gospel in what a mom teaches. Number one, there's actually the teaching of the gospel. Do you know that a child is at their, well, we know this to be true. A child is at their most receptive and impressionable in those early years. And no one has the heart and the ear of that child like their mother. I heard statistics the other day that 80% of those who trust in Christ as their Savior do so between the age of 5 and 13. Between 5 and 13. And who is it that has the opportunity most to pour into that child's life for them to hear the gospel? But not just in teaching the gospel, but in speaking the truth. Yes, we give rules, and yes, we say here's how to live, but that's not how you... That's not how you're saved. That's not the gospel. And to teach them to do what is right and to to love God, but to do it in a way that points them to the truth of the gospel. That's a mother's instruction, a mother's teaching. And moms, you have the opportunity, the gospel in your teaching. A mother not only teaches, but the rest of this chapter talks about her toil. 
the labor of a mother. Moms work constantly. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how much. The thing that I've observed with, with Lynn is it doesn't matter if whatever the boys or I will help her do, it doesn't really give her time off. It just gives her time to do something else. She's still working. There's always work to be done. People act like being a mom is just a, is just a part-time job or something. I read recently this. Someone said, someone said a mother is an unskilled laborer. Somebody never gave a squirmy toddler a bath. Somebody said it takes about six weeks to get back to normal after you've had a baby. Somebody doesn't know that once you're a mom, normal is history. Somebody said you learn how to be a mother by instinct. Somebody never took a three-year-old shopping. Someone said being a mother is boring. Somebody never rode in a car driven by a teenager with a driver's permit. So many others that remind us that the conception of what a mom is very often is different from reality. The labor, the toil, moms do so much. Several years ago, probably, I guess it's probably been about eight or ten years ago now, I read in one of the news magazines someone figured up what it would cost to pay a mother, a stay at home mother, for the labor that she did. All the things that she did, all the different tasks, if you paid, just minimum wage, and I'm getting ready to make all the husbands and fathers hate me here, but the yearly wage would be somewhere in the neighborhood of $132,000. So get something nice this year for Mother's Day, okay? I know it's a little late, but you may want to up your game a little bit. The work and the labor, but you know what I know about most moms? For them, it's not about the price or the cost or the effort. They do it out of a heart of love. They do it because they love their families. The toil, the stress of a mom. A mom's teaching and a mom's toil can both embody the message of the gospel. The labor because it's done out of a heart of love. You know, our children are going to grow up in a world where they learn very quickly nothing is done that you don't get something out of it. Nothing is done that you don't, it's quid pro quo. It's you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You do for me, I'll do for you. But that is so contrary to grace. Grace from God says, I give to you not because you don't, because you deserve. I give to you because you don't deserve. And what greater manifestation of that grace and that love of God than a mother who does for those that she gave birth to not because they deserve it, not because they've earned it, but often in spite of the fact of how they've behaved or acted. And a mother's sacrificial, unending love is a manifestation of the gospel. A mother's teaching is part of the gospel. But here's what I want you to see this morning. The gospel is seen in a mother's success. Now, this passage as I thought about it and prayed over it, I'm reminded it's often alluded to and preached on Mother's Day. But this passage sometimes can add to the stress in the hearts of mothers. Because you read this passage and you see all these things that, a, that this lady does. She rises, verse 15, while it's still night and feeds her household. She 
goes out, she's doing real estate deals. She considers a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. She even has time to go to the gym. What kind of woman is this? I mean, you read through this, and I'm worn out after three verses. And you think, if that's what I'm supposed to be, to be a virtuous woman, how can I possibly ever measure up? And that mentality begins to add to the burden of mothers. But I want you to understand this morning, we need to, we need to turn the success of a mother on its head. Most moms that I've talked to don't really feel like they're doing very well. We've talked about some of the things that a mother will say, but I can tell you some things you probably have never heard a mother say. I've really got this mothering thing down. I am killing it as a parent. I am really, really just crushing the mom life today. Most moms have heard expectations, and they never feel like they measure up. And what does that do? That adds to their burden. And then they read this passage, and that adds to their burden. And they think, there's no way I could possibly ever be this lady. The virtuous woman is not a success because she does all these things. She does these things because of her success. These things flow out of what her life is. What makes this mom in this chapter a success? What is it that sets her apart? It's not her instruction that she gives to her son. It's not the labor that she puts in, though she does those things. Many others have done these things. Verse 29 says, Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. There's other, there's plenty of moms that do the things in this chapter. What is it that she excels in? What is it that is the measure of her success? It's in verse 30. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that does what? A woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Success in motherhood is not by meeting society's expectations. It's not by meeting your family's expectations. It's not by meeting your friend's expectations. It's not even by meeting your own expectations. Sometimes we're our own worst critic. Success in motherhood is not by those things. If your current situation has you feeling less than, understand that you are not. Do not define yourself by your your parenthood, your opportunities, your accomplishments are anyone else's expectations because that's not what God does. Define yourself by your heart for the Lord. That's the level of success. A woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24 says, Don't let the, don't let the wealthy glory in their wealth. Don't let the strong glory in their strength. Don't let the wise glory in their wisdom. But if you're going to glory, glory in this. God says, glory that you know and understand me. Moms, that's the measure of your success, is your relationship with God. And it is that relationship with God, the glory that you bring to God, that's your excellence not in how well you work. It's not in how well your children behave or how sometimes how little they misbehave. If we can just get them to be not quite so bad. 
Lynn was standing in the line at the post office one day, and she was standing next to a lady, and she was telling this lady was an older lady, and she was telling about her four sons. And Lynn complimented her on raising four sons, and this lady said something very wise. She said, listen, with four sons, I figured if they grow to adulthood without being on drugs or being in prison, I did pretty good. Sometimes our, our measure, we, look, if, but that's not the measure of success. The measure of success is in the glory that is brought to God, and it's in that relationship that the gospel is most clearly seen. You see, there's a lot of things we can do for our kids. We can give them wise instruction. We can give them a good work ethic. We can, we can do for them. We can, even, we can even bring them to church. But the most important thing that we will ever do for our kids and our children is not physical. It's spiritual because it's eternal. Because, you see, there are some things we'll teach them they're going to forget. There are some things we're going to give them that are going to pass away. But eternal life, here's the deep one, is eternal. The glory of God, the gospel of mom. It is this success, the relationship with God, that brings value to these other things, to a mom's work, to a mom's instruction, and makes it all worthwhile. It's first service to your family and instruction in your family, but that really is service for the glory of God. So today, Mom, let me ask you to do this. Take off some of the burden that you're carrying about, if I'm a good mom, this is what it's going to look like. Let me tell you that what makes a mom a success is a love for God and a heart for God. That's the most important thing your children need. And so, Find your success in that. Find your fulfillment in that. And then let me say to the rest of us, if we have a mom that loves God, let's honor that. Let's not put extra burden on her. Let's not say, well, you you need to do this or do... No, let's respect and honor, and today, let's honor the moms that are excellent, the moms that love God. Maybe this morning your mom's not here. And so maybe what you need to do is as soon as you leave this place, you need to get on the phone. Please don't pick up your phone during the service and start calling mom, okay? I, I want you to talk to mom, but the serv- wait till the service is over. Maybe your mom's here. Maybe in the invitation this morning you just need to step from where you are. Maybe she's right beside you. I see a lot of folks sitting with their moms this morning. Maybe you need to walk somewhere to find her. But just say, Mom, thank you for loving Jesus. Thank you for teaching me about Jesus. Maybe your mom's not here. Maybe your mom's in heaven, and maybe you just want to come and maybe come to the altar and say, God, thank you for a godly mom. I want to tell you that I'm thankful for my mom. My mom, is a, she's a wonderful lady. The most important thing she ever did for me was when I was a child. I had heard the gospel. My dad preached the gospel. But my mom is the one that led me to Christ. And I will be eternally grateful for what she has done in my life. I'm thankful for all the instruction, half of which I've forgotten, another quarter that I probably ignored, (laughs) and some that stuck with me. I'm thankful for what she poured into my life, but I'm thankful most of all for the gospel. I'm thankful for Jesus. This morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, maybe you started hearing about Jesus at Mama's rocking chair or at her knee, and maybe you've lived a life that's apart from that. I want you to know this morning 
not only is mom giving the gospel, God is the one, your heavenly father is the one that is extending the gospel message to you, that if you trust in Christ as your savior, acknowledging that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself, believing that Jesus died for your sins and rose again the third day and confessing him as your Lord and savior, you can receive the blessing of eternal life. I want you to do that this morning. Will you bow your heads with me as we have a time of invitation? We're going to give you the opportunity in just a moment to come to the altar. Maybe there's some need you need to pray about. Maybe something I've not even talked about this morning, but you have a burden on your heart. and You want to come to the altar for prayer, but maybe just want to come this morning and say, God, thank you. Thank you for the blessing of my mom. Thank you for the mom that told me about Jesus. You know, we often sing the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. John Newton that wrote that song lived a profligate lifestyle. He was a wicked man. But he came to Christ because he remembered the scripture that he heard next to the chair of his mother. As a four or five-year-old boy, his mother taught him the scriptures and taught him the gospel and taught him about Jesus. And it was that message that he heard that brought him the gospel, the gospel of mom. Father, I pray that you will speak to our hearts this morning there's anyone that you're calling to salvation, maybe this be the day that they respond. Father, may we learn to value what's really important, the value of our moms, that, that heart for you, that they know and they understand you. Father, encourage and lift the burdens of so many moms that are just feeling distraught. They're just discouraged because of what they feel like they're not doing. Help them to find encouragement. Help them to find confidence that they have excelled, not because of what they teach or what they do, but because of who they are in Christ. Speak to our hearts this morning, we pray.